Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of our Market Horizons podcast series. I'm Amanda Thomas, head of our London International Capital Markets practice, and I'm joined by Jen Creswell, a counsel in the same practice. We last talked about divergence in the prospectus space on a podcast back in the spring. At that point, we'd seen the European Commission's listing app proposals and an illustrative statutory instrument from HM Treasury in the UK. Since then, we've had developments on the UK side, with the enactment of the Financial Services and Markets Act 2023, which provides the architecture for the UK prospectus regime change, and most recently, the laying and imminent enactment, most likely in early January now, of the SI, the Public Offers and Admissions to Trading Regulations, also known as the POATAs. We've also seen the FCA kick off its work stream with engagement papers and related discussions with the market, and they've just published a paper setting out the feedback they received, but we're going to have to wait a while for formal consultation from them. And on the EU side, the Council and Parliament have been considering their listing acquisitions for trilogue discussions. So we know a little more perhaps about the direction of travel and thought it might be helpful to get our crystal balls out to share some thoughts around where the points of divergence might be. I think we'll try to talk about some structural points first with a brief dip into public offers before looking at prospectus format and content. So crystal ball at the ready. Jen, do you want to kick off with structure then? Okay. Under the current EU prospectus regulation and UK prospectus regulation as we know them, Securities shall only be offered to the public after prior publication of a prospectus and securities shall only be admitted to trading on a regulated market after prior publication of a prospectus. So a prospectus is potentially a feature of both limbs. Now, and I think this is just a restacking of things, but under the public offers and admissions to trading regulations, or POATAs, In the UK going forwards, there will just be a general prohibition on offers to the public in the UK unless the offer is of a kind that is accepted. So no mention of prospectuses there in that headline prohibition. But one of the exceptions to the prohibition is for offers conditional on admission to trading on a regulated market or primary MTF and prospectuses may be relevant there. Well, that neatly introduces the first area of divergence, Jen, because on the admission to trading side of things, the UK government is delegating a greater degree of responsibility to the FCA, who will set out the detail of the new regime through rules, whereas the EU requirements will still sit in legislation. We'll come back shortly to what those new broad rulemaking powers relating to admission to trading prospectuses might mean. Before then, it's worth mentioning that an area where there won't really be divergence, though, is in relation to the exemptions from the public offer regime. That's because both EU and UK regimes will continue to have exemptions for offers to 150 persons, offers to qualified investors, and a wholesale denomination exemption. In the case of the UK, that will be framed by reference to 50,000 sterling, although issuers offering across both the EU and the UK will still have to have regards to the Euro 100,000 public offer exemption. Now, Jen, do you want to talk about the next area of potential divergence, namely the approach to MTFs? Yes. As listeners will be aware, the EU and UK prospectus regimes govern when a prospectus is needed for admission to a regulated market. Multilateral trading facilities, MTFs, are not in scope. However, 
Under the future UK regime, the FCA is also given power to make rules in relation to primary MTFs. And there are three interesting points about this. The first is that the FCA could require the operator of a primary MTF that is not limited to qualified investors to include in its rules something requiring an issuer to produce an MTF admission prospectus as a condition of admission. And I suppose we're waiting to hear that London's ISM will be a qualified investor MTF. Yes, although let's remember that if an MTF admission prospectus is required, it's still the operator that sets the detailed content for it, subject to an overriding necessary information test in statute. So the second is that the FCA will have power to make rules relating to the communication of advertisements connected to admission to a primary MTF. Currently, of course, the advertisements regime is limited to the regulated market arena where a prospectus is required. And your third interesting point, Jim? The FCA will have power to require the MTF operator to include in its rules withdrawal rights for investors. Again, withdrawal rights are currently limited to the regulated market arena where a prospectus is required and not in the wholesale prospectus space. The FCA has obviously received feedback on these areas and will be considering these points as they draft rules. So really, we wait to see whether there will be divergence between rules applicable to MTS in the UK and those in the EU. But enough from me. Amanda, do you want to kick us off talking about how the content of a prospectus could start to differ between the EU and UK? Yes, certainly, Jen. So given that you've already mentioned the words necessary information test, I'll start there. That's, of course, the overriding test for what should be disclosed in a prospectus. And it looks like it will stay the same in the EU, but will be slightly tweaked in the UK to make it clear that the reference to disclosing information about the prospects is actually to be read in the context of debt securities as a reference to creditworthiness. But will that actually make any difference, though? That's a good question, and it is difficult to say but it might be helpful in some areas when deciding whether something needs to be disclosed to be able to think about it in terms of impact or creditworthiness. And perhaps the FCA will use it when drawing up the detailed rules. The EU might take a different tack though, and they may end up doing something more specific around a standardised format and sequence for prospectuses. It looks like the European Parliament are considering asking ESMA to develop implementing technical standards to specify the template and layout of prospectuses, including the all-important font size and use of plain language. Obviously, anything overly prescriptive can create challenges. There's nothing yet to indicate the FCA would take a similar approach in terms of being more prescriptive around format, sequence and font size of prospectuses. No, I don't think so. Anyway, let's move on to something that can help a prospectus be less wordy, Jen namely incorporation by reference. Yes, um, this could be another area of divergence. There are still indications that the EU will be debating mandatory incorporation by reference. And what do I mean by that? Well, where information must be included in a prospectus and that information is already available in previously published documents, then it must be incorporated by reference in the prospectus from those documents rather than being set out in the prospectus in full. There are challenges with this, um, especially where information being incorporated has not been prepared to prospectus standard. 
I don't believe this is something the FCA is seriously considering and feedback to them has been unanimously against it. So possibly there'll be divergence there. And what about future or forward incorporation by reference? And by that, I mean the ability for an issuer to incorporate by reference into its prospectus information published in the future. So after the date of the prospectus, without the need to produce a supplement. Well, it's hard to tell right now whether there will be divergence. Indications are that the EU will be debating this too, and the FCA received some views in favour in the course of their engagement, so it's likely they could also be thinking further on it. I think participants in the debt capital markets have previously thought this could be helpful. But changing topic, Amanda, on supplements, could there be any divergence there? Yes, well, I think the thing up for grabs there is the ability to introduce a new product into a base prospectus for a programme by way of a supplement. The EU looks like it might entrench its position here. At the moment, that's only set out in a recital in the EU PR. And they might legislate that supplements shall not be used to introduce a new type of security for which necessary information has not been set out in the base. ESMA is likely to be involved in developing guidelines to set some parameters around this, And I think it will be interesting to see what the FCA do, as it's an area ripe for efficiency improvements. In the International Capital Market Association's responses to the Commission and the FCA, we certainly noted that there could be alleviations to the supplements regime to make the updating of information in a base prospectus more efficient. So that's another area where we could see some divergence. Right, Jen, let's move on to ESG as that's certainly an area where the EU and UK appear to be on quite different tracks. We're obviously talking about the prospectus regimes, but I can't help thinking you'll use this as an opportunity to mention one of your favourite topics, the EU's Green Bond Regulation. Well, given that we've already recorded a couple of Market Horizons podcasts on the EU's Green Bond Regulation, I'll try not to get too involved with it. But people may be aware that the EU's Listing Act proposals include a power for the Commission to draw up a Level 2 Annex for non-equity securities advertised as taking into account ESG factors or pursuing ESG objectives. And of course, an issuer would need to follow that in its prospectus for such issuances. The Parliament version of the Listing Act proposal may well contain suggestion that the Commission should ensure consistency with or alignment with the EU Green Bond Regulation. But wherever things end up in trilogue on the text, I suppose there will inevitably be some comparison across to the EU Green Bond Regulation when work starts on drawing up the Level 2 PR ESG Annex. So, whilst the EU GB is voluntary, aspects, I suppose, could become mandatory in a sense through the EU Prospectus Regulation door. Yeah, I can see that. In terms of the FCA approach, I think it's difficult to say exactly where things will go on green social and sustainable bond disclosure requirements. But the FCA will clearly be looking at how they might require more detailed disclosure in their rules. They've had some mixed feedback by the sound of things, but they could end up with some proportionate requirements that build on market practice. And that should be fine as long as they don't get too prescriptive again or too complicated. Yeah, of course, the other point, apart from specific green, social, sustainable product disclosure, is ESG disclosures in general in a prospectus. The FCA will clearly be thinking about this and whether general ESG disclosures should be aligned with, say, reporting requirements in the annual report. 
In the ISMA response, we noted that given things are still developing on the ESG corporate reporting front, might perhaps be best for those to be properly embed before aligning prospectus requirements with them. However, it does seem that the FCA received some feedback suggesting that requirements or guidance around ESG general disclosure should be extended to debt prospectuses. So we'll have to wait to see what the FCA does with this. And on the other hand, on the EU side, it seems that further disclosure requirements might be for equity securities only. By reference to the sustainability reporting required under the accounting directive as that's amended by the corporate sustainability reporting directive. Yes, all in it looks like we could well be headed for some divergence on the ESG side of things, both in terms of green, social and sustainable bonds and wider ESG disclosures in general. Of course, the other thing worth mentioning, which is in a way connected to the ESG topic, is the UK's exemption from liability for protected forward-looking statements as set out in the public offers and admissions to trading regulations. Poatas, yeah. Okay. That would effectively change the standard of liability for those statements in a prospectus from a negligence-based standard to a recklessness standard, in a move which might encourage the disclosure of more forward-looking information in prospectuses. And we know that that's a particularly welcome thing in the ECM market and may actually have some utility in the context of ESG disclosures too. So all in all, a positive move. No change though from the EU in terms of liability. So to be clear, we could be seeing divergence on both the ESG front and the forward-looking information front. Yeah. Now, before we round up, Amanda, I suppose it's probably worth us dipping into the retail space and looking at where things might diverge there. Yes, agreed. And that is another space where things could get quite interesting in terms of divergence. So from the EU perspective, the listing app proposals include changes to the prospectus summary so that it can include charts, graphs or tables, and we're also likely to see some leeway on the summary page limit, whether a multiple guarantors. In addition, there's the point we mentioned earlier about comprehensibility and use of plain language in a prospectus. And depending on where things end up in Trilog, there could also be some ESG requirements baked into the summary. But I think we've talked quite enough about ESG already. Um, so I think on the EU side, we'll definitely see changes within the current structure of the summary and the wholesale exemption from the summary requirement will remain in place. The UK, though, could be, to put it one way, ripping up the current rulebook on retail prospectuses. Yeah, that's right, Jen. Now, the FCA thinking looks much more expansive in this area. For a long time, they've been concerned that the fixation on the wholesale disclosure threshold might have been one of the things contributing to the volume of wholesale denominated issuance. They're really keen to strip that away to encourage wider participation in the bond markets and are likely to go with one single standard of disclosure requirements based on the wholesale annexes. And that idea seems to have received almost unanimous support. But as we said in a previous podcast, the key point will be to ensure that the wholesale market doesn't become subject to a greater regulatory burden, given it currently works very well. The FCA will inevitably need to give thought to the summary if there's one single standard, as plenty of market participants, you imagine, would think the summary should not become mandatory, but remain voluntary. But the retail changes on the UK side could go wider than just a single disclosure standard, though, couldn't they, Amanda? Yes, that's right. The FCA also seems to have received support for a scheme which provides some further alleviations to encourage issuance by seasoned UK listed corporates issuing simple, standardised, 
unsubordinated, unsecured corporate bonds to a wide range of retail and wholesale investors. It isn't yet clear what that would involve or how it would work in the context of programmes where, of course, only final terms are required at the point of a trade. But it's certainly encouraging that the FCA appears to be doing some blue sky thinking to crack the UK retail bond market challenge. So to recap, we could see quite a lot of divergence on this front, with the EU effectively making limited amendments to the current dual disclosure regime and summaries, but the FCA making wider changes to have a single standard of disclosure and potentially further changes to encourage a UK retail bond market. Obviously, all of this is some way out, though, and I doubt we'll see concrete change to either regime until some point in 2025. I think that's right on timing, Jen, although interesting times in the next year. It seems that the areas for greatest divergence could be in the ESG and retail bond market spaces, although we'll have to wait to see what the impact could be for MTFs in the UK space and how prescriptive the EU might be over prospectus format and sequence. Well, hopefully all of that has provided listeners with plenty of food for thought. We'll be continuing to track this closely in 2024, and I'm sure we'll have more to say on this topic as things develop. Perhaps after we've had the European Primary Bond Markets Regulation Conference, we're holding jointly with the ICMA on the 30th of January. But for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. 